1: we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubinstein, Episode 142. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you guys doing? Digging into January 2021. Today on the podcast, we have Part 2 of the conversation I have with Mastermind Couple, Uh, Brian and Carly. They are our inaugural VIP mastermind couple, meaning they're the first couple that we took through in a one-on-one way where we developed this program with tons of of one-on-one support and just had the opportunity to really get to know them well and be a fly on the wall of their lives and in their household. And we invited them on the podcast because what was revealed to us after we started working with them and we were they were kind of deep into the process is that Brian is a physical therapist and Carly is a pediatrician. So you heard from them last week and got to know them a little bit, you know personally in terms of what was going on with them as parents of two out of three strong-willed children. And it was just very interesting once we found out that, especially Carly was a pediatrician. Brian kind of let the cat out of the bag. So you'll hear a little bit more about this and how she really, you know, she was like, I just want to be a regular parent. Like, I don't want to be spoken to differently because I happen to be a pediatrician. I, you know, she was dealing with all of the things that all of us have struggled with when you've given birth to a strong-willed child. And so, She wanted to learn new tools and she knew she she knew that was the solution. And so she didn't want to have her expert hat on while she was in student mode. And um and so I think this is gonna be a really uh impactful conversation to sort of be a fly on the wall of because you'll hear Carly and Brian and me and Amanda, who works with me in the mastermind, who's also a therapist, uh really talk about what's going on in terms of these kids and high sensitivity and lagging skills and what the real solution to meltdowns is um i think that you're going to feel like you get to experience what doctors and therapists and child development professionals discuss sort of behind the scenes when you're not in their office or not in their office with their child, like what they talk about amongst themselves. And I think that you're just, you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. So I'm excited for you to hear and uh, enjoy. What was the tool that y'all were like, okay, wow, that worked. Well,
2: the the simple things were just, I mean, we realized that she needs boundaries. And so, you know, as far as, you know, bedtime routines, knowing what to expect. And when we, you know, and we, we had this habit that during the week, things may be a little bit more structured, but on the weekends, they weren't at all. And we would wonder why, gosh, we have this family time on the weekends. Why is it going so terribly? Um, And so, um, you know, so much of what we worked at in the beginning was just buttoning up our routines and that just made her feel safe in the world of her having or her having those boundaries in our home. And so I think that was a quick win.
0: Communication wise, we started empathizing and like seeing her perspective, like coming at, at it when, when she came to us with those big feelings, instead of just dismissing it away, we started, we started just empathizing and repeating back what she says. And that, that made a big difference. I think I just made her feel a little bit safer and like mm-hmm. Carly said, when we had the routine, started to button up, she started to actually get the uh, right amount of sleep that she needed. That just pretty quickly um, um, started making a big change. And one thing Carly was really good at was um, coming back at, like, nonproductive times. So if we had, like, a, a rough night, Carly just realized that, you know, she's really – our oldest is really easy to communicate with first thing in the morning, and so – Carly would come back at that non productive time and, and be able to have a really good conversation.
1: I'm just saying non-relevant time. Yeah. Non-relevant. Yeah. What I said. <laughs> <Non-relevant. Yeah. laughs> productive conversation. Yes. And it was productive because it was at a non time. Yes, yes. Ahead, uh, yeah.
0: And then that just set us up for a much better day. Um, and so those were some really quick changes. And then but then you think about like a, a workout program or something where you see some really quick results early, but then you maybe just start to start to plateau. You don't, you're not as into it, or as intense about it, so you start to fall back. You start to lose some strength. You start to gain some weight because you're not into it. And so as 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 we just started going along, we started maybe just kind of we were still doing okay. We started plateauing, and we started having some roller coaster rides with with it because we we fell out of it. And that's where I think some of your from some of your additional stuff would really start helping with the awareness and the boundaries program, um, and allowed us to kind of dig in in deeper. And I think that's. You know the surface stuff, the 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 quick the quick things that we could do to help us early were good, but um then we weren't when we weren't like digging in and starting to get into what what's being brought up with us and bringing back you know what is it in our past that's not allowing us to q tip like Carly was saying that's what we are still kind of working through that's going to help us kind of
1: me too in kind of the long <laughs> run right.
0: Yeah. It's like, you know, the basics, but it, that, that's, that's not it. You know, you gotta have, you gotta have more to it.
1: Nobody ever talks about like, you're just coming in, your parents of a strong willed kid and nobody's talking about what anybody does for a living. I don't ask for a very specific reason. I want it there to be a level playing field. I don't want anyone to have their, you know, look at my fancy resume hat on. I just want, you know, we want to, we have a problem and we're trying to solve it, which is helping these strong-willed kids be able to do better. And so that's my eye is on that prize. So towards the end of, of the basics program, Brian, you said to us, you let the cat out of the bag, what you guys do for a living? And if you will just tell our listeners a little bit about that and what y'all do for a living, and what you maybe kind of shared, what you shared with us, I remember we were talking about Carly and what you shared with me and Amanda about Carly.
0: Yeah, um, I just sort of uh, dropped it because dropped it into a conversation because um, it just was relevant at the time. But I work as an outpatient physical therapist and an outpatient orthopedic. Setting, uh, so primarily dealing with kind of teenagers to adults, and so I just started seeing a lot of the stuff that we were learning. You guys were teaching us was just paralleling paralleling with what I was seeing in my profession. So I just dropped that into to conversation, and and Carly is inpatient pediatrician, and uh, we both and and Carly is is very humble and has always wanted to just be mom when it can just be a parent when it comes to kids um, she uh, there's a reason why we you know have our own pediatrician for our kids she never wants to play doctor to her kids because she she wants to be parent uh, mom first um, and so she's sometimes humble and I have to you know want to let people know that she's an awesome uh, pediatrician and what she does um, and so I just started making note of of the differences or the similarities that I see in my work and how what I was learning and the basics program, I was actually able to start to bring into some of my work, specifically when it came to like empathizing with with patients um, and seeing their perspective and really realizing that most of the patients that we're seeing, that's really, that's really what they need. That's really what they want. They may have seen a number of professionals before they got to me and haven't been heard, um, haven't really been able to tell their story. Um, and um, I'm fortunate enough to be in a setting and have the the time to sit with patients for longer than most professionals and kind of get to know their story and get to know them and empathize and, and with them. And so that's kind of what led me um, to, to start talking about my work um, and, and, um, and, and go from there.
1: And, and so, and I thought it was interesting when you shared, you know, first of all, it was very sweet because it was like a husband bragging on his wife, you know, Where it was like, listen, this is really, I mean, we loved it because you were like, I'm taking these tools and it's already affecting me professionally. And I say that all the time in the mastermind, like these are these are coaching tools. These are life skills. These are tools that yes, you get your household in order, help your kid, but you're going to, this is going to change who you are. It's going to change your career. It's going to change every relationship in your life. So when you validated that, you know, I was loving that, but then you went on to say, I don't know if y'all know, but my wife is, is a pediatrician and she, um, is a rock star pediatrician. And there's a lot of pressure. Like when you're a pediatrician, you sort of like, you know, there's a lot of pressure that you're like the knower of all things child development. So, so it can, it can feel, I think, extra daunting when you are the expert and you have a child that you just are scratching your head and saying, how can I help this child do better? you know, and be more cooperative and feel happier and all the things. And so that added pressure, which was like, like Carly wanted to be anonymous because she mm-hmm. wants to learn these tools and she knows she needs to learn these tools, but she also, you know, it can feel, I don't know, Carly, maybe tell us a little bit about how did it, how does it feel as the pediatrician who you were like, I don't have all the answers. I have things to learn.
2: Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, when people do know what I do on the front end, they sort of talk to me differently. And I can't say that about you guys because I didn't do it that way. I didn't, um, you know, we were all the way through basics before Brian let the cat out of the bag. But I feel like a lot of times there's things said like, well you already know this because you're a pediatrician, are you and you know, and especially when it comes to your own children, I think I think pediatricians are lifelong learners. And I will be the first to admit there's always something that that I stand to learn. But I think that people just kind of make this assumption that they don't need to say, even if it's their specific area of expertise, they don't need to say it because you, you must already know it, you know? And then I feel like I miss out on that. And I also feel like I miss out on the messaging that they give to all their other families. And so when I do go to, you know, see someone with my kids, and they know I'm a pediatrician already, I'll often say, please talk to me like I'm a mom, you know, don't feel like you have to say anything any differently. I really want to hear what you say to all of your patients, because I feel like, you know, I miss out on things when people just kind sort of make the assumption that I already know all these things. So I do think that there is, I just worry that people they have this amazing skill and that's why they're in the role that they are. And that sometimes I lose some of that because they have this feeling that they shouldn't share those things because, because I must just already know.
1: Well, and I think, I think that's why I don't really ask people a lot of times, what, what do you do? I'll never forget when I was teaching a parenting class, like years and years and years ago, there was a dad who, and it was, it was, there was a lot about the brain and it was, you know, it was about, it was a conscious discipline parenting class. So, you know, it was a curriculum that was meant for teachers. And there was a lot about neuroscience in the brain. And I had some dad that was like a neuroscientist, you know, like, like he, like when I was talking about the prefrontal cortex, you know, like he was, so that's when I started talking about the thinking brain, the emotional brain. And then like when you're in the trunk, like I really was like, okay, I can't even pretend I'm in a position to be using all the technical terms. I'm just going to use like real people language because that's how I understand it. But yeah, it did make me feel self-conscious because I was like, oh gosh, this guy's going to think, you know, he's going to sit here and want to correct me. And I really made a conscious effort not to ask people what they like, let's just all be parents who have a strong willed kid.
2: But that's so refreshing to take it out of the, that terminology and to just sort of let yourself relax and, and absorb the information that you need to absorb rather than sort of, um, you know, I think all the other ways of of saying it are just distractions.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, it was like, I don't want to feel like a fraud. I don't want to feel like I'm trying to pretend I didn't go to school for 10 years and become a neuroscientist. I just know that I have this difficult kid and I started learning about, what was going on in his brain and body and what was going on in my brain and body, it helped me to have more patience and to ultimately help him feel more understood and it works. So I think I have to share this with people, you know? And so just really stepping out of that self-consciousness and ego. And I don't have anything to, I mean, I still do this all the time on lots of things like, okay, I don't have anything to prove. I'm just, I just want to help people, you know, because I think so often we can get stuck in that, in that place and it makes us feel inhibited. One of the things we've talked about is, you know, I was saying, I love that you guys are sort of our dream family and we love working with you. And I think a lot of it is that you came to the table knowing what you know, but also knowing what you don't know. And I think there's a gap in terms of when you have one of these kids and you're starting to understand at two and at three, that when you look in the preschool class or at the birthday party or at the park or wherever it is, and your child is having just a consistently a difficult time, and it seems like all these other kids are not consistently having a difficult time, and you start to worry. I think, and tell me if you disagree or if or if this confirms where you guys were, I think the first avenue of who you reach out to and ask for support from or pick their brain is your pediatrician. What do y'all think about that?
2: Yeah, I do. And and, and that's, that's what I, um, I did initially. Um, and it's funny, you've made the comment before about, um, I think I did exactly what is not the right thing to do and, and dropped a big important question at a, um, a visit that was about totally something different. And I think pediatricians are under a lot of pressure in their offices. You know, their appointments are 15 minutes long and they, you know, they really, you know, when you come for a specific reason, they they haven't scheduled in their day just about that right amount of time. And they have lots of other people who are waiting for their skill and expertise. And so um, you kind of come in and drop this, Hey, this is going on with my kid. Do you have any suggestions? And there's just not really the time to, Dig into all those things, and I think um, I think our pediatrician actually did it so eloquently. I think it's really difficult to make the suggestion that you should look into how you're parenting your child. I think you, it's important that that's probably a pediatrician that you have a relationship with, and not someone that you've seen one time. And I think that that even pediatricians who are skilled in doing that and in, in the right way you you know you still sort of worry about the risk of offending someone but that's the gift that he gave to me was when I, when i did something that that was annoying where i asked a really big question um in a 15 minute visit that was for something completely different because he knows me so well he was able to make this general suggestion and and he recommended a, a book which was you know sort of part of that journey that i was talking about that we went on and sort of led us to this place of of discovery and and ultimately to finding what put all the pieces together um, through your program. And so I think that the pediatric office is a great place to get that start. But, um, and, and I think it would be important to hear for Brian on this part, because I think he sees it a lot with his, his patients too. Um, but I think the expectation that Um, You can go in and ask an offhanded question and they're going to give you this, um, you know, quick fix where you don't have to do any work as the parent is not really a fair expectation. Like they're helping you
1: with everything. And so you go to your pediatrician who is your resource, your parenting your child, your expert, that's your resource. And you go to them and you drop a bomb of something that you're actually really worried about, but it's not on your radar to make a separate appointment just for that, just to talk about the behavioral issues that are going on. Because maybe if the pediatrician had some time, if they had the whole 15 minutes to say, okay, this sounds like behavioral. And when it comes to, you know, it being a behavioral issue, we have a couple of different avenues. And before I send you to, the equivalent of a back doctor who's going to put you in for surgery, you know, before I send you to the child, you know, psychologist or or child psychiatrist, what if you tried some things at home and we got you, you know, learning some things that you can start doing at home, like you know, two positive choices and and really understanding how is your child wired? because um, these behavioral things, it's not an exact science, and you actually are the expert on your child. And even if you don't feel like it yet, you're gonna be. So let's get you the resources to help you go that route. I don't think that that's happening. I think that's a gap that I really kind of want to identify because I think at the end of the day, when pediatricians, start to be able to, you know, fully say to parents, Hey, listen, this, this falls under the behavioral category. And I know like you might be worried. It's like, this is what the thing that's come out with. I think a lot of parents is before you th- go thinking there's something wrong with your kid, there's a lot, there's lots of things we can learn about. And I am here for you. I'm here to support you. And these are the resources. This is the book. This is the parenting program. These are the things that I've actually explored in my own personal life. So then all of a sudden that pediatrician is also saying to the parent, I'm not going to bruise your ego here by, by telling you you're a bad parent, or, you know, this is supposed to come naturally. I'm telling you, I've sought these resources in my personal life. And this is what I would recommend for you, you know, and I think that that would carry a lot of weight with families because that's who you trust, right? Mm -hmm you know? And so that's kind of the paradigm I would like to change is I want the pediatricians knowing that you can, you know, that there's a resource to recommend before you send the family to the back doctor. Well, and I sort of look at it, you know, similar to like a lactation consultant, Um, you
2: know, and we have three kids and, and it was sort of a similar source of of guilt and shame for me as a new mom, because um, we had a lot of breastfeeding difficulties with all three of our kids, but particularly the first. And it was kind of that I should know how to do this. Um, you know, and I and I, I think you can make the analogy of the lactation consultant where, you know, they have the time to dig in. They have, you know, the specific expertise. They have the experience of seeing multiple, you know, moms with all the difficulties from, you know, all the different offices all over town and have tried, you know, done trial mirror to to help those folks. And so I think that that's a good, that's been a good analogy for me in thinking about how you guys have supplemented, you know, sort of my, my background in pediatric training. And, and, and I think too, you know, I've, I've looked up just in preparation for this conversation, you know, what, you know, bright futures and the American Academy of Pediatric Policy says about discipline and that sort of thing. And and all of this fits right into that, you know, I mean, it's, but what it adds is, the personal touch, the stories that help it make sense, the not letting you put down the book in the crisis moment, you know, and just the support that goes along with it. And, and that isn't, that isn't something that can be done, um, you know, even in a 15 minute office visit every week. I mean, that's just, it just takes time and it takes work. And, um, and I think it would be um, really refreshing to just about any pediatrician for a parent to come and say, "Hey, I've got some behavior concerns about my kid. I also know I have a lot of things to learn as a parent. <laughs> what research mm-hmm. can you um, can you recommend? You know, where can I go to um, to get good, solid information that that's that's going to be helpful and that's going to be productive for our family? So um, I think it's just such a it's been such a just a beautiful compliment for us to just sort of help us pull it all together.
1: Yeah, and you know, look my real dream is that there will be mastermind mentors like Amanda um, maybe like Brian working with the teenage population who are occupational therapists, physical therapists, possibly you know speech therapists so people who have had a lot of training and and have, gone to a lot of school and a lot of continuing ed, because I know y'all have to do all that crazy continuing ed every year. Who I think the real experts in these behavioral issues when it comes to child development, who are now understanding and and have done the learning in terms of understanding the the mastermind recipe and then marry the two together and are able to work with parents in a one-on-one way. I really see that as the future because we've already witnessed. I mean, y'all experienced it when y'all came in and you worked with us as a team. Can you speak a little bit to working with Amanda as somebody who is, you know, now well-informed about everything about the whole mastermind recipe Plus the fact that she has had a history of being, you know, an occupational therapist, a pediatric occupational therapist for 20 years. What was it like for you guys to work one-on-one with her?
0: Yeah. So um, Amanda was a godsend to to us for not just our oldest, but our middle as well, because we, this was like a, you know, something we didn't realize going in that it would be, you know, we went in with the intention of kind of giving giving us some help with our oldest but then just having some conversations and some one-on-one with Amanda she helped direct us with our with our middle kid who was having some sleep issues and she directed us this was a perfect example of of going to a someone like Amanda first who then could refer us to a specialist cuz what we ended up figuring out with our middle is his sleep issues were some results of just some ENT issues so we went to ENT and a sleep specialist and ended up getting some help with him that has now resulted in him sleeping much better and just doing so much better with um, some of his, his issues. And so it was just a, a godsend to to be able to go into this program with the hope of helping with our oldest and then having her expert opinion to, let, to help us uh, say that, hey, you need to take care of the basics, but here's how you take care of the basics. You got to take care of sleep. Um, and if there's a real issue there, we need to take care of it. And she was up to to direct us. Well, and
2: she tied it back to his behavior. I mean, that was, that was the key was, you know, we were saying, you know, we're having these types of behavior problems. And, and I I remember Amanda, you even asked me what I thought about being asleep. And I was going, no, I mean, I don't, I don't really think so. And, and she just sort of encouraged me, I I really, you know, try these things too, but I really think maybe you should consider um, getting him evaluated. And sure enough. We went and saw a pediatric sleep medicine specialist and got a um, sleep study and he had obstructive sleep apnea and, and a real medical reason that um, that we needed to investigate for his behavior. So I think it is a perfect example. And it, his, his sleep has much improved and his behavior um, has also and He had to get his tonsils out, right? He did. He got his tonsils and adenoids out. And he actually, um, they realized that his little nose was almost completely obstructed from, he was small and then he had a lot of edema in there. So they actually did a little nasal surgery to open up his nasal passages, which probably helped more than anything thing. And so I think um, that's a perfect example of how this all just kind of, you know, works together is that she was giving us all these amazing, amazing tools as well to help him. But she was also saying there's a medical aspect to this too. And I really think that you guys should pursue this and investigate it. And I think that's, you know, a good example of how, you know, Brian would see a patient with a musculoskeletal problem and say, Hey, this is there's more to it than this, you know, you really need to get this checked out, but sort of, but so many things you know, don't need to go that far, and certainly don't need to start there. And so, um, I think that's what's been so helpful for us is to to start basic, and re- then really figure out what are the real things that we need to, you know, go further, investigate more, and and what can we just really work on at home and ourselves first to sort of complement all of that.
3: It's really, the perfect example of every professional complementing each other. Because I I did not know you were a pediatrician at the time that I recommended your child go see a specialist, and. Had I known that, I probably wouldn't have recommended it because I would have assumed that y'all had thought that or whatever. And then when I found out, I was like, gosh, I was like, did I say anything that was like really dumb? Like, was like, She did not say that right, you know, but y'all are the best. But um, I think too, as a professional, I really feel for the pediatricians working in the insurance model, which most are because behavior is such a tricky, difficult thing to figure out. And it's not a 15 minute visit. It's not even like 10, 15 minute visits because there could be gastric reflux going on. There could be, you know, tonsils and adenoids or whatever sort of, you know, ENT sort of thing going on. There could be little seizures going on that aren't apparent to parents. And uh, I mean, sleep issues are like so common, but, you know, impossible to diagnose in a 15 minute visit. I mean, it just requires so much history and background and ongoing conversations like, you know, we all had like Brian, Carly, you, you, the three of us had, I mean, this was over a month of figuring this out. This was not like a short conversation. It was like, okay, give me history on this. Okay. Well that worked. That didn't. Okay. Now what's going on. Okay. Now what's going on. And like very slowly over time coming to the conclusion of like, Hey, I think there's something else going on here. And that's almost impossible I feel like for pediatricians in that 15 minute visit model, because it's like, okay, I need to ask you like all these questions and I need to follow up with you. And quite honestly, most parents don't want to go in and do all those follow-up visits because it's expensive. And a lot of times our insurance isn't covering those separate visits, you know? And so I think it's like so cool to be able to work together with other healthcare professionals, whether it's ENT or a neurologist or a pediatrician or whoever, because we all need each other's help because, you know, just the way the models are set up now it's very difficult to like spend that much time and energy and effort. And usually when parents go in, parents are wanting treatment for their symptoms, right? The kid's symptoms. They're not looking at like the root cause because parents are like, I just want it to get better. I just want the meltdowns to stop. I just want the behaviors to get better. You know, like with your middle, it's like we're seeing all these behavior issues. And I'm like, well, you didn't have them before and it's getting worse, like something's changed. But even if you are a very um, highly trained you know professional as a parent it's very difficult to see things in your own child and i knew this because i went through the exact same thing with my oldest and i took him to a neurologist when he was 4 and he was like yeah i think he has some sleep issues i was like no 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 he sleeps all night he's fine and he was like he's not but okay you know and we did sleep study and he was like i mean he never went to rem sleep all night long so it was causing all these massive developmental delays and behavior issues and all these things but like i could not see it for the life of me because when you see your child, you know, on a routine basis every day, you, that's just their normal, right? So it's very hard to see that. And then obviously you're not going to bring it up with a pediatrician because you're not concerned about his sleep. You're like, no, his sleep's fine, you know? And so it ta- it's very, I think, very difficult for the pediatricians to be able to see this unfold because they're just getting little snippets and they just don't have the time to do this ongoing care for, I mean, it took a full month for us to figure that out. And so then I think too, from the parent coaching standpoint of like, you know, Randy. One thing that like people ask about all the time is like, "Hey, can you do more um, webinars on meltdowns?" And I'm like, "No, no more meltdown webinars because like that's only treating the symptoms. Like, I don't want to talk about meltdowns anymore. Like, it's not really going to help you. It's going to make you feel better in the moment, kinda. Not really, because by the time we're at a meltdown, it's like it's too late. We got to go. You know, the the goal is to prevent the meltdowns, to figure out why are there so many meltdowns. What's the behavior leading up to the meltdown? But like, mostly parents are showing up to professionals asking to treat symptoms because that's really what they feel like is going to make their life better when really what's going to make their life better and their family dynamic easier and more peaceful and more calm is doing the hard work and gosh you guys like showed up so open and vulnerable and ready to learn and ready to dig in and do the hard work that it just made it so easy because it was like okay what do we do you know there was no like oh we already tried that it didn't work it was like okay just tell us what to do and we'll do it and y'all did it but like that's why y'all had such good results and not even with your oldest but with your middle child too where you're like okay like as we're doing this we're recognizing these other things that are going on and every, everyone was looking at like the root cause not like okay we're just going to treat like this specific behavior you know so
1: the I- root cause the root cause the investigative piece of hmm well let's try you know it's like we got to throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall you know like like, let's figure out the root cause. And then once we get to the root cause, then we can talk about a treatment plan, right? And, and oh, well, maybe you we need to get a sleep study. Why don't you go get evaluated by an, an ENT? But there was a lot of investigation that went you know, into that. And I think you know, we live in such a quick fix society, instant gratification, me too, get it, yes, that I think it's like, yeah. It's like my husband with the back issue, you know, typically you, know, you go to a back doctor and they're like, yeah, you're going to need surgery. You got a herniated disc. You know, when can I start cutting? And he's, my husband is averse to risk and is very methodical and research oriented. And when he did the research and he then went out, went to a physical therapist and he started, he realized he was like, well, I actually need to build up all of these muscles that are going to help compensate for my herniated discs in my back. But whenever he will tell you that whenever he's told people with back issues over the years, oh, you got to do the blah, blah, blah exercise. And I have this one back machine. And then you get, you know, get several bags of frozen peas, you know, and he's like, I've told so many people and not one of them has done it. And it's because like nobody really wants to admit this, but maybe it's just easier to go and, you know, get cut on and then recover from surgery than to put in the hard work of building up all these muscles around it. And I think that's the same thing here with our kids. It's like, you know, who can I send my kid to that's going to tell them how to process their big feelings? I'm not going to do one thing differently at home. I'm not going to do the heavy lifting and building up those muscles. And so, you know, I think Amanda, what you're saying really is people want to treat symptoms. People want to know, wait, is it the, does the one, two, three magic work with meltdowns? Is that the best tool? And you're like, slow down. You know, we did some serious investigation here.
3: Yeah. Probably I would say like, and Brian, you probably identify with this and probably Carly, you too, but like, I don't know, probably good, like 75% of my job is an investigation, you know, and it's like figuring out what's going on. And then you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense now that we know, and this is what we're going to do with it. But the, you know, that's 25% of it. 75% of the time I feel like is spent on, okay, like what's going on and why and how and when and, and putting all the pieces together, you know, it's.
1: I, half the time I call you the kid whisperer, because whenever you do interact with kids, it's um like just the way that you interact and engage with them and how they instantly trust you is amazing. So you're a kid whisperer, but you're also like the kid sleuth because you figure things out, Amanda. Like I just, it it is unbelievable. It, It is the investigative piece and you have so much knowledge about like, well, it could be this, but it could be that. I don't know. And I'm always like, okay, it's this. And you're like, it might not be. You know, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank all of you guys for so much time. And I know that Amanda's got three kids, Brian and Carly. It's the holiday time. They have three littles, two careers, a whole big life. So thank you for taking the time because I know that all of you are here because you want to help other people and just, you know, this is it. You know, it's almost like the domino effect. The more we, we share what has worked for us, the more other people will also get those results. And it just exponentially grows. And ultimately, I think helps all highly sensitive humans, which supposedly that's 20% of the population. I think it's more. Um, 20% of the population has gone through life Feeling like there's something wrong with them or they're less than in some way or they shouldn't feel as big or as strongly. And so um, so the mission really is is to help kids who are wired in this way at a much earlier stage than many of the adults have been able to receive the support that has just helped them to feel more self-aware and whole and healthy. And like there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with the three members of my family because the restaurant was overstimulating and they don't really want to go back there. There's nothing wrong with them. That's, they're not the ideal, you know, client for that restaurant. It was, it was, you know, it was too much for that. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what the world is supposed to be made up of all different kinds of people. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. And, I think that the underlying worry that most of us who have a highly sensitive child or a strong willed child um, and we first reach out to our pediatrician in that two year old appointment and drop a little bomb when they're getting checked for an ear infection is really the worry of is there something wrong with my kid Should I be concerned here and so knowing now what you know um, is your do you think there's anything wrong with your kid mm-hmm. No, I think there was something wrong with us. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, awesome. we're gonna fix it
2: because she, now we know how. Yeah. Right. Is she going to be okay? Is she, she is going to be, okay? be okay. She absolutely yeah. is going to be okay. And we are learning the, the parenting skills that
3: work best for her.
2: And that, that has been such a blessing. Mm-hmm.
3: Are you still worried about her teenage years? Well, I mean, we're all worried
2: about any mom of kids. They would say that the teenage years feel daunting. but I don't think I'm any more worried about her teenage years than I am my own children. I I will say that. Whereas previously, I think I thought
0: yeah, compared to um, a year or two years ago, yeah,
2: two years ago, I would have said, Oh gosh, I am, you know, I'm really worried that this will be terrible comparatively. And now, you know, the teenage years, I think are scary just as a parent in general. Um, but I'm not more scared of hers than the other
0: kids. And Randy, you you, you've said before, like, you know, um, I'd rather take care of this now when she's like rebelling now, Versus her not learning how to express these emotions, and and she rebels later, right? That's kind of what we think about. Like, it's gonna it's gonna be a fight all the way through. Um, but if if we can get to that those teenage years, and she loves to come and talk to us, and us be her her people, she comes and talks to and gets advice from um, as she's going through all the teenage stuff. Then that's where that's where I want to be. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean the teenage years are gonna be uh, hunky dory, but they're but. Um, I'd rather her come to us to, to help her kind of get through them. Yeah.
2: Let's figure this out and create the safe space now so that she can use that space um, when the problems are bigger and harder as a teenager.
1: Yeah. And when, you know, that was the other thing is that when you're kind of going through this reparenting process along with your child, um, when they go through the teenage years, if they've heard for years, you going back and having productive conversations from the place of, whoa, I really wasn't the mom or dad I wanted to be yesterday, you know, when the thing went down, right? When the thing went down and then I yelled and I got all upset and we said all those things like that didn't go as planned. That wasn't so cool, huh? So they hear you owning your messiness as a human. I don't have to be the perfect parent who never makes a mistake. I can show up and say, oops, screwed up. Really sorry for that. And now they've been raised with that being part of the family culture of we all screw up Mm -hmm. and we go back and we clean it up together and we forgive each other. And then when you have that teenager who lied to you and went to the party and didn't tell you things, and now all of a sudden they realize that the driver of the car that's supposed to be taking them back home is drinking. And they're calling you from the bathroom saying, I need you to come get me. That's the kid that does that because they've received the memo that nobody has to be perfect. Okay. I lied. I can own it. And I can still call you and ask you for help. I trust you.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's all through trust and connection and my prediction for y'all, Brian and Carly, is that her teenage years will probably actually be way easier than these years right now. And I'm living that with my. I have a 14 year old son right now, and he was um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of behavior issues, some developmental issues when he was younger, and thriving now. And and it turns into they turn into your ally because it's like and not that I mean you're still obviously definitely the parent, but it just becomes this really cool give and take of like they understand, you understand it's all based on connection. And I just went through something with my son and he messed up and he just came to me and was like, hey, I messed up. Here's the deal. You know, and it's like, okay, cool. Like we got to deal with this and this is the deal. And and then it's like you just move on. It's like the easiest thing ever because they trust you enough to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And they already kind of know and can anticipate like, you know, they still need the predictability that the toddlers need, it's just predictability that knowing like you're not gonna freak out and yell and scream like I can come to you and there might be some consequences. And he was like, yeah, I knew these were gonna be the consequences, it was worth it to me anyway. I was like, okay, cool, like you almost, it's not like you don't have to parent, but it just makes the parenting so much easier because you can communicate about literally like anything and everything and they're old enough to understand and because you've been immersed in this process for so many years, Their self-regulation is so good that everyone's able to just trust each other and connect with each other. I mean, it's like the most beautiful thing. And who knows, maybe that will change as he gets older. No,
1: don't no foreboding joy. (laughs) You're not allowed to do the foreboding joy here. Like you just no, you've got how is he 14?
3: He's 14. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah, no. We had it, we had an oops, we had a situation and The recovery was quick and he got it and he practically parented himself. Like, no, that is what this process is. And we can do hard things like, like life is hard and messy and, and it's all part of the equation. We don't have to fight against that. So. No, I'm not letting you do the, it's no, parenting for sure. <laughs> um, okay, guys, so much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening and um, have a great week. Hey, podcast listeners. I wanted to tell you about our VIP basics bootcamp program. And what this is, is it's a uniquely tailored parenting playbook and it's our ultimate VIP white glove one-on-one experience. This is something new that we just created last summer. We've taken through now about 10 families and they're getting huge results. It consists of the Mastermind Parenting Dream Team, which is me, Lindsay, our membership manager, and our content librarian. She knows where all the resources are on every training you could possibly want. And then Amanda who works as a mastermind mentor and also happens to be a very seasoned pediatric occupational therapist. And we work together to coach and guide you through a personalized roadmap specific to your family's journey. Of course, the goal is to reach our most challenging kids And we also want to help you become a connected family that truly gets along because I believe every human deserves that. So what will you get? Well, what about starting to take vacations instead of just trips, right? Like it's hard to take a vacation with a strong-willed child who's constantly moody and throwing temper tantrums. Um, We start by getting your child out of what we call defense zone right because you're really only as happy as your unhappiest child so we help you get your child out of that place of defensiveness acting like a dictator where everyone walks on eggshells and we put you through this 12-week experience where we nurture you you get we get you out of overwhelm it is a luxe vip experience and we're very focused on supporting you making it easy there's no uh website that you have to go log into we sort of hand feed you all the resources you need we give you tons of coaching and support we also help you and your co-parent get on the same parenting page and many people have described that as better than marriage counseling so if you're interested in learning about the vip ultimate experience you can go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash vip access that's mastermindparenting.com forward slash vip access there's a video of me telling you more details about it and there's lots that you can read about it and you can sign up right there from the page so That's what I encourage you to do if you know that 2021 is your year, your year to become a family that truly, truly gets along and is thriving. Love to see you on the inside.